This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and we're coming to you from, well, I'd say we're deep in enemy territory. We're getting ourselves ready for Friday as we're on the borders of Hammersmith and Fulham down the Fulham Palace Road at the Distillers Pub, one of our favourite pubs on the besotted podcast tour. Here we are. And like I said, we're sitting here getting ready for the big match Friday when we play Fulham. It's a bit of a decider, that one. But anyway, myself, I'm Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here in this rock and roll pub with your chums around there. Laney, how are you? You're looking a bit pensive, mate. It's strange times, Bill. It's strange times. Seems to have affected you. Yeah, it has. It's going to affect everyone. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it has affected me. Yeah, yeah. I've not got the virus or anything, but um, yeah, I think uh, there's, there's ramifications, mate. So uh, I'm just aware of uh, the bigger picture. Okay, the bigger picture, and I think we'll be talking about the bigger picture in this podcast today. We've got loads of things to talk about as well. We've got, um, I haven't seen you for a few months on the podcast. You've been burying your head in the sand, I think. Katie B, how are you? I'm good. I've been self-isolating. That's right, that's right. Well, we've to bring you out of isolation now, and we're actually in a really busy pub. Down. As we're talking about, and listen, we're not making light of this at all. All we're doing is that we're just reflecting on the situation that's here. I walked in this pub today, and I thought, oh, blimey, the place is absolutely rammed. We couldn't find a table. We managed to get a table eventually. They took very good care of us, gave us a little table. But it's very, very busy in here. People seem to be very happy, chatting away, drinking away, and getting on with their lives. Yeah, I'm uh, very pleased to be here. Been a bit busy, but now we're back in enemy territory, as you say, but looking forward to Friday. Indeed, indeed. we got the Allard in the house. The Allard, how are you? Are you self-isolating as well? I know, I haven't self-isolated. Um, there's been a, you know, this... It's obviously trying to get stuff at the shops has been difficult, you know, with all the toilet roll and stuff like that. And uh, Waitrose on, on Saturday, you couldn't get any sourdough. And that, that was of course, yeah. that was a killer, wasn't it? It was an absolute killer, um, and I, I, there was a, you couldn't get it on Monday either, so that's three or four days when you know just had to have regular sort of brown bread. Very strange. It's funny because we say this, you know, and I thought it was actually a joke when people said there were no toilet roll in the shops, and there was no. And then, until I went there on Saturday, and the tr- it is actually the truth. And the fact is, you see people with Facebook pictures sort of hugging toilet roll now. You know, the fact they've got the fall back to themselves, which I think sort of typifies, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's all a bit weird, isn't it, really? You know, just just buy like you do normally. You don't normally run out of toilet roll. You won't run out of it if you just buy it like you do normally now. Indeed, indeed. And tell you something, as you always know, when we play Fulham, what we normally do, we come to enemy territory because what we do is that we take their ends, you know. So we come down there to take their ends down in Fulham, but we also invite on the podcast one of the opposition. We've got the opposition, got the opposition view. We've got Abdul from Fulham as well. How you doing, my man? I'm good, mate. Yourself? Listen, you look like quaking in your boots, aren't you? <laughs> Just looking forward to Friday. Yeah, we're all looking forward to Friday, man. And we're going to be talking about Fulham. We're going to be talking about coronavirus. We're going to be talking about whatever we want to in the rest of the podcast. But first of all, I think what we're going to do, as Brentford fans here, we had a very good Saturday. Because after not winning for five games, I think it was, and we were a little bit nervous, Sheffield Wednesday came to Brentford to give us a late Christmas present. And they turned up at Brentford, but they actually didn't turn up at Brentford. And Brentford put five goals past them, and it was a very good game. We're going to listen to what the fans have to say very quickly after that game. And then we're going to come back and have a brief discussion. We've got our mojo back. That was a magnificent performance today by the Bees. I'm not certain how good Wednesday are. In fact, I think they're pretty terrible. But all-round contributions were excellent today. Delighted to see Marcondes really put in a good shift in the first half, um, tailed off a bit in the second. But, you know, you couldn't fault any of our players. De Silva getting two goals, he's back onto it. Really, for an all-round team performance, you couldn't wish for a moment more. And we've got Fulham on Friday. We go into that with a real confident streak. Let's keep this run going, see where we end up. Superb goal from him today, and he set up our third goal as well on the break. So I think the people who don't rate Marcondes might need to have a, a rethink of that one. But the Bees today were resilient. They kept plugging away. We could have had more goals. Wednesday had their odd moment, but that is a big fillip ahead of Fulham on Friday. See, Josh De Silva, who has probably slipped a little bit of uh, recent weeks, was absolutely superb today. Not only did he get two goals, but he was magnificent. He's really got back to driving, driving runs, getting the ball and driving upfield, and uh, he was superb today. Absolutely delighted. One of the best games I've seen in a while. I haven't played a seed up. I haven't seen us play that well. I thought Jean-Vier was looking really strong today. Watkins looking really strong. Great result. We just seized the game by the scruff of the neck in the first 15, 20 minutes, and we didn't let go afterwards. They just, you know, we just knocked it out of them. So I think weak game um, had an effect to them. I don't know. But I think we can't take anything away from our performance. We're just really, really good on the day. If, if Gary Monk gets sacked, the same players will have got rid of the last four Sheffield Wednesday managers. It's 100% down to the players. You can't keep going down 3-0 at half-time. How many times? It must be four, five times this, since Christmas. And we just told us, because can't do it. The game was gone at half-time. It's gone after 20 minutes. We just don't perform. We don't create anything. We sit back. I'm, I'm lost for words because it's getting worse and worse and worse. There's guys outside the players' entrance now having to go at the managers, having to go at the players, they're having to go at the chairman. The club is in, in turmoil. Great performance, yeah. We've, we've got a bit of form for this. For If this is our little blip, and then we had it out of kick in, we did it, we did it a little while ago before the Luton game, and results will, sort of went our way today. So I think, I think we're definitely going to set, you know, set ourselves up for a charge at the fourth place, third place maybe get that final game at Griffin Park meaning something yeah so I'm really happy really good to see Marcondes 
you know, sort of put in a shift. Uh, I had a five on Josh Silver hat trick, which is heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, well done. Oh, good, good job all round. Bearing in mind, you know, what, whatever, we nearly, most of these lads have played 40 games now this season. But, you know, we, we're still missing, we were counting five injuries for the first team squad, and we're still looking good. So, very, very happy. You know, roll on Friday. So that was the fans after the Sheffield Wednesday game. There was a lot of happiness from the Bees fans and the Sheffield Wednesday fans were really, really not happy with their team at all. And there was all sorts of uh, turning up at the coach, you know, at, at, the, at the entrance to, uh, to, to Griffin Park where the team was leaving on the team bus. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that you see on television when, you know, you get groups of hundreds of fans sort of berating their team and the manager that came off. But to be fair, the Sheffield Wednesday fans said, we are going to do that. And that's what they did. And they got some answers as well. So uh, hopefully they'll have, uh, <laughs> they'll have uh, answered their questions. But I, I doubt very much. I mean, I'm just going to go around the table here quickly because the, the, the game was discussed on the radio show. Laney and GP were on the radio show on Monday. Love Sport Radio, 8 till 9 o'clock on a Monday night. And a really great discussion, really great show. Check that out. So there's a bit more of a Sheffield Wednesday discussion. But um, So Prada West.London, you can check that out. But just come back to this around the table here. We all were, you know, a little bit nervous before that Wednesday game. You know, we hadn't won in five. We were slipping away from the, the top two places and we wanted to make sure that we kind of still kept in the playoff place. There was definitely some points that we learned from that game. I'm going to go around the table to find out what did you learn from that Sheffield Wednesday game, the Allard. Well, Sheffield Wednesday weren't very good, but, you know, I, I don't know if I learned that. We kind of knew that going into the game and I think we said that this wasn't going to be the most difficult game on the podcast last week um, maybe not so many words um, so what did I learn well there, there was a goal wasn't there where there were 10 players who um, if you go and search out the Brentford Twitter it was goal number 4 Joshua Silver's goal and um, 10 players 10 Brentford players were involved in the build up to that goal so what that made me think is what who wasn't involved in the build-up to that goal? Because after the performance on Saturday, and we'll put Mark Condes in there, everyone was brilliant Saturday. Someone's, people, there are certain people on Twitter always have to hate somebody, and maybe this person was going to be who wasn't involved in the build-up to the goal. So um, I, I had a little look, actually, and, um, and I, sh- I assume this is Trevor Banana. He actually tweets that it's Ollie Watkins that misses out, and he's not involved in the goal, but he's wrong. He's wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. If you're listening, you're wrong. Because... Ollie's involved very early in the build-up. So actually, it's, from what we can make out, it's, it's Wemo who is not involved in the build-up for that goal. So Twitter trolls, you can take it out on him for the game on Saturday. Or maybe please don't do that because he's a very good player. But anyway, Katie B, what did you get from that match? That Tarek Fosu can score a tasty goal. First goal for the club, through that defender's legs very nice to see something we should be celebrating and we also learned that the club have definitely got a lot of faith in the two Oxford boys putting them on in that situation they played nicely they look good that's exciting it's interesting you talk about Tarek Foster as well obviously signed for Oxford as a winger Oxford fans £750,000 the Oxford fans weren't sure whether or not he'd actually make it into our side they called it a strange signing it was because they weren't sure you know whether or not he's going to make it up to the grade but I think quite interestingly he's actually kind of been sort of kind of a well, jettisoned into the side, probably almost ahead of Valencia as well. And if you saw last night, um, Brentford B played Rangers down a Metropolitan Police ground as well. Informer, indeed, there's lots of informing going on there, or grassing as other people might say. But they played Met Police, they beat Met, uh, they met, beat Rangers 
2-0 uh, yesterday uh, with goals from Dervisoglu and also from Fosu. And the Fosu goal, if you can actually see a replay on that, is a wicked little goal. So uh, we might have a little bit of a gem that's been unearthed here yet again. The club clearly believe in him. They have not been shy about putting him on and sometimes in difficult situations. And he's, you know, paying dividends. So it's all good. Indeed. So, uh, Lady, as well, I mean, what did you learn from Sheffield Wednesday? What I learned from the Sheffield Wednesday game, and I, as you said, we talked about it briefly on the um, on the radio show on Monday night, and I said, how wasn't it a penalty in the build-up to the uh, to the second goal? Mark Ondes scored a weldie, but there was like a scissor pincer challenge on uh, Watkins in the build-up to that. I spoke about that already, but what I will say is that how we have come on as a club leaps and bounds and how many Sheffield Wednesday fans after the game had commented to us about how well our club is run and how they wished that their club was run like ours and I just think that that is a real telltale sign I thought the Sheffield Wednesday fans were fiercely loyal fiercely passionate about following their club but, but fiercely knowledgeable about the rest of the game they were very honest I thought sometimes I think that um, fans of so-called bigger clubs can come to us and they're they're patronising and they kind of feel like they say the right things but don't really mean it but I found that Sheffield Wednesday fans were really truthful in their appraisal of where we're at and where they're at and I'm just hopefully I'm just hopeful rather that this trajectory can just carry on because we're going places. And for me, and it's a phrase that I use all the time, and if Dave's listening out there as well, you know I use this phrase all the time, don't panic. You know, sometimes, like I said to you, we get into a state of panic because what we do is that we just look at what we're doing. You don't look at what everybody else is doing out there. And we think maybe if we haven't won a game for two or three or four games, it's going to be all over. But what we have to remember is that we actually are a very good side. We can score goals. We've got the best you know, goal-scoring trio in the league. And maybe they might have an off day. And if they do, OK, no, no biggie. But the fact is that they have scored you know, 49, what's it? Probably even more than that. 49, 50, 51 goals between them. Something like that. Scored a lot of goals between them. And we have had the tightest defence as well. And, you know, we're not going to slip back from being a very good side to being an awful side because that's not where we're at. And I think on Saturday, OK, Sheffield Wednesday... And we'll probably talk about this a little bit. Well, the best side in the world. But at the end of the day, you can only beat what's put in front of you. And, and as we talked about, you know, Fulham had lost to um, Barnsley a few weeks ago and they were seen as bottom side. We lost to Luton a few weeks ago as well. You know, you've got to beat whoever's in front of you. So, and this league also, and we talked about this a few weeks ago as well. Everyone says, oh, this league's rubbish, but it's not. It's just, I think a lot of the sides are probably more equal than they were a few seasons ago. As we said, we haven't got your Wolves, you haven't got your Newcastles in this league now. So a lot of teams more equal. So you're going to end up coming up a bit of a cropper every now and again. So don't panic. Trust me, this team is all right. If they continue doing what they're doing, they're 100% they're in the playoffs. We've got Abdul here as well. And I know he wasn't at the Sheffield Wednesday game because uh, it probably wasn't the best place for him to be on Saturday. But I know that you did play Sheffield Wednesday a bit early in the season, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we drew one all. They've got some decent players. I'm not sure why they're struggling now, but they were doing really well when we played them. I mean, you were you were one 0 I mean, as far as you're concerned, you actually won one 0 didn't you? We did. Yeah, I left the game thinking I have to make for my train home, and they scored ninety third minute. What an injury time! So, uh, so I mean, obviously your, your judgment isn't isn't the best. So uh, you know, so so, <laughs> but I mean, we won't go into that anyway too much. But which is all good. But I mean, Sheffield Wednesday for me, you 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 must be licking your lips because. 
let's just continue that you know everything's going to be kind of going on as normal you're playing them in a few weeks time so I mean probably seeing like what we did with them you're probably hoping that you could do the same well hopefully but again football you never know you never know what's in front of you so the Barnsley the bottom of the league they beat us home and away we've asked going once listen what, I mean I know we're not going to go what happened there what happened against Barnsley honestly I've got no, no clue but it's just on a day really it's like how you feel if you turn up or not so with Fulham we've got this Fulhamish where when they expect to win, you never win. So it's the hope that kills you, that's all I say. It's the hope. I mean, were Barnsley actually quite good? No, not really. They were okay. But they took their chances, we never. And that's how it is. Listen, okay, listen. So listen, that's it. Sheffield Wednesday, positive signs from Sheffield Wednesday. And we'll talk about how those positive signs might feed in to the Fulham game, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But before we talk about that, we've got some important issues that we want to talk about. Things that's happening in and around Griffin Park, in and around London, in and around the UK, in and around the world. We're going to go away, have a little drink and come back and talk about that in just a minute. So, I mean, we've got, listen, we've got, was it, nine, eight games to go to the end of the season and everyone's getting very, very excited. Too excited sometimes, you know, that all of a sudden, you know, Things have been a little bit dampened because, like I said to you, there's some very terrible things going on around the world. With, as you know, the coronavirus, which has been, which, which been, it's been it's stated as a pandemic now, which means that this is actually quite a serious uh, situation. It was always a serious situation, but now it's a very serious situation. Not necessarily just confined to China or confined to Italy, but in more countries around the world. I mean, we've got our medical expert, Kate TB, in the house, and she is actually a doctor. So Dr. Katie B as well, so we'll be actually going back to her to get a little bit of medical advice. But, you know, we just thought we'd go through what the current situation is. And we probably think that the, um, the best way to describe things in England is uh, carry on England. So things have been carrying on as normal, you know, uh, if you compare it to other countries. So, you know, matches have been happening, people have been going out. As you said, this pub is very busy here tonight and people have just been carrying on with their business, you know. Um, but saying that... And um, a few situations have happened which have probably been forced. So a number of games have been cancelled in the UK. And one of them is like the Arsenal versus Manchester City match as well, which I think was meant to be played, is it tonight? Yeah, so it's meant to be played, sorry, tonight, which is Wednesday night. Um, that game's cancelled at very short notice. And the reason why is the Nottingham Forest chairman, Evangelos um, Maricanis, who also is the owner, he's not the chairman, but he's the owner of Nottingham Forest and also Olympiacos. Arsenal played Olympiacos uh, last week and he went to the game and he met everybody and um, um, and all of a sudden he declared himself to have coronavirus. You know, so he's going to self-isolation and he says he's got coronavirus, so he's been tested. A lot of people tested around him, but Arsenal thought as a safety factor they've cancelled their match. So all of a sudden you can see there's a slight domino effect that is happening in the UK. What is interesting as well, out of the football zone, Nadine Doris, which is uh, an MP, she also, uh, she, you know, she got um, uh, um, coronavirus as well, you know, and so she's going into self-isolation mode as well. So all of a sudden there's a few things happening in a few places as well. And as we can say, probably in the UK, I mean, we're looking forward to the match on Friday against Fulham and on Tuesday, you know, West Brom. Um, but there's always big question marks of what's going on. And as they say, Lady, things may not say the same is that right yeah I mean I, I, you know we're, we're not we're not here to kind of preempt any sort of um, Department of Health or World, World Health Organization um, announcements or whatever the government are going to announce or the EFL or the FA there's a lot there's a lot of uh, decisions that have got to be made depending on how things escalate or uh, I, I think we, I think we can be quite clear on the fact that things aren't going to get any better any any time in the near future 
you know, hopefully whatever happens, happens quickly and it affects as, as few people as, 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 is, as is possible in the UK and the world, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, I think we have, to, we have to prepare ourselves for the fact that some, some of our matches or the, 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 the season itself is going to be massively affected. Uh, you know, you've only got to look at Serie A in Italy and you've only got to see how um, other um, governing bodies of football and sport, you know, and you know, will the Grand Prix take place in Australia at the weekend? Yeah. You know, it's, the ramifications of this is just colossal. So, you know, the, the, the fact that Brentford may not play Fulham on Friday night and, the, and we, we may not play West Brom, you know, it pales into insignificance really. But, you know, we, this is a Brentford fan podcast and we are going to talk about those games because that's that's what we that's what our role is we're here to talk about Brentford so you know god forbid people you know people die in 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 big numbers over this but you know we're we're here to talk about what the implications are of Brentford and and I'll be honest with you I I think that there are there is going to be significant disruption yeah I, I don't think there's any other way okay so I mean where we're going at the moment now, like I said to you, it looks like there's going to be a number of options. Um, if At the moment now, as we know, we are in the containment phase. So basically, we're carrying on as normal. We're just hoping it's going to be contained. Um, and, uh, and the next phase that they move to, as they say to, is the delay phase, trying to sort of kind of delay the infection spreading. And that's what's happened in a number of the other countries. But we've not gone there as well. Uh, now, the, the ways that the, the government would probably look at doing that is that they would either postpone fixtures, which means that the season... It's all over for the season, and uh, it wouldn't finish. That's it. It's finished. It's all over. Um, the season would end prematurely. So, say for example, if it was today, that's it. It'd be end of story. So, basically, you know, Brentford would end up what in fourth place. Fulham would end up in third place. You know, and we've got the two teams that have been in in, in the first two places, and that's kind of how it's going to go. You know, and then there's another situation where they're talking about playing the game behind closed doors. So that's uh, completing the season. On you know playing it behind closed doors, so at the end of the day, you know whether or not it's like the Fulham game, or the West Brom game, or if it's later on the Charlton game, they'll all be played behind closed doors, you know. And there's talk about the fact that you know, you know, season ticket holders, you know, be able to watch a game on iFollow, you know, if that's the case, maybe Sky opening it out and broadcasting all the matches on Sky TV, you know. They're talking about you know possibly flipping some of the matches not from three o'clock. They're talking about having to open up the broadband so that will be more broadband so people can be watching the games in their home because apparently they can't be watching them because the main thing they don't want to be doing is getting people in the pubs because that's where most of the viruses are spread. So they won't be showing the games in the pubs if they were going to do that. They'll actually be showing them in people's houses. The whole thing is that, you know, we're trying to work out where we're going to be within the next month or so. From what we heard, you know, within the next week or so, schools will be closing for half term. There's already some schools. I mean, I know Abdul that your is it your sister's yeah. school is closed already, isn't it? No, not yet. So my sister's a primary school teacher in East Acton. They said they might close the school for Monday, so they're going to confirm on Friday. So again, they're talking about closing schools from Monday as well. I've heard as well that schools are closing. You know, in and around that time, we're talking about you know, in a week's time or so, and that is you know that's not scaremongering. So what we're saying is life. In a week's time, life could be very, very different to how it is this second now. And football, really, is going to take its place in the pecking order. It's because what we've heard as well, that there could be announcements within the next few days as well, that, you know, it may affect football, that we might come out of this containment phase, go into the delay phase, which may mean that even the Fulham game on Friday 
is going to be one which is in danger, which will be an absolute gutter. And the West Brom game as well, big game for the Bees, could be an absolute gutter. But we're kind of reaching, you know, DEFCON 5, I think, probably with the PR as well. And, and, and also the ter- terrible things that have happened. But I think that the government, with the... With the uh, with the, the, the today they've had the budget today and they've realised that they need to actually step things up so you know we believe that what we've heard there's going to be within the next few days an announcement and we may be moving into a different scenario so we're talking about football from a, on a hypothetical level as if things are going to happen but let's just have a little discussion here about this whole coronavirus thing here Lainey as to where you think things are going to pan out because you know listen obviously we love our game but obviously we obviously want people to be the safest possible and uh, we are very much behind a lot of the rest of the world you know obviously behind China even behind Italy even behind a lot of the countries which are playing their game behind closed doors I mean Bulgaria Romania Greece North Macedonia Gibraltar they're all playing games behind closed doors and they've even cancelled World Cup qualifiers in Asia for March and June already you know um, Germany you know there's certain matches being cancelled there as well and we're sort of kind of a little bit lagging behind that your thoughts um, it scares scares me to death all of this to be honest with you I think life life's going to change significantly in the next week or so I can't see you know I'm not scaremongering I can't I can't see it being any other way and uh, it's going to affect a lot of businesses football included some some teams or some clubs may go to the wall over this and maybe not necessarily um, in in football but it's going to affect rugby union rugby league cricket or every any particip- any any spectator sport, any sport at all that um, relies on revenue and people people paying entrance money to watch it, it's going to be affected. People aren't gonna aren't gonna watch it. Um, they're not going to leave their houses. They may not be able to. I I think the ramifications of this are going to be like very very far reaching. Um, I don't want to be a scaremonger. I mean, you you always want to just hope that things are going to be all right, and they just might. But I think this time. The signs aren't great. I, my assumption would be that um, the TV broadcasters have significant interest in the games going ahead. So I would be surprised if it was a, a close down. I think the initial, you would imagine, and this is just this is based on sort of commercial thoughts rather than any scientific or medical thoughts, that um, there'll be a push to play games behind closed doors with some sort of, you know, to be and for as many of them to be televised in some way as possible and that's where I think would we would probably go in the next phase I mean I and I I guess it's until what happens next is you know maybe if players contract it then that changes that as well you know but I would imagine they'll push to play behind closed doors initially I mean Abdul listen this whole coronavirus thing here have you really? I mean, I know it's been going on around you, and it's, it's a terrible thing. But have you thought about it from a, you know, from your life perspective? I mean, how is it affecting you daily on your life, and, and also from a football perspective as well? So the office next to mine, I've already closed. I've been from working at home already. So uh, at, at work, so it might affect me soon, hopefully. But we'll see how it plays out. But on the football side, I hope it doesn't have a much effect on us. It'll be sad. Because without fans, there's no football. You don't. Sorry, you don't think it'll have an effect. I hope not. I'm hoping not. But one thing I saw which made me laugh was that players were not shaking hands before the game, but they were hugging each other afterwards. So I saw that and I thought, hang on, what's that all about? Yeah, I mean, I think it's difficult because obviously, you know, authorities are trying to put things into place to kind of um, 
to, to, to try and show that they're doing things to kind of contain it. But obviously, <laughs> unless you've got a set of protocols, you know, for the whole you know event, it makes it quite difficult. And I think, and I think this is kind of what we're coming to now. Where we're thinking is like, you know, do you think that what has been done in this country so far? has not been enough and maybe it's going to kind of gear itself up to, 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 to another level but but the, the thing is we didn't uh, we didn't extend of it so far and then what effects it has or we don't know what you, everyone says wash your hands and so on what else can you do what protocols what else they do apart from isolation there's no point in isolating all of us when in reality it hasn't affected us that much compared to Italy and so on so so my mother the other day she went uh, panic buying and bought 10 packs of sugars, 10 rices, so she, that was stuck in everything. So would that help? I don't know, who knows in the long term. But at this moment, we don't know what to do, that's the reality. So all we have to do is wait for our governments to tell us what to do, and then from then we go on from then. Dr. Kate, right, and we're saying this because she is a doctor, I mean, it's not a joke, but you are, she actually is a doctor, you know, you are a doctor, Dr. Katie B as well. I mean, your thoughts on here now and to kind of, where do we go over the next, you know, month or six weeks, realistically, which will, will help the situation? Well, I think the first thing that I would say is that my medical advice as a non-useful doctor is to visit washyourlyrics.com and to do exactly what you're instructed. Um, I also reckon it's really important that we think we're going to be disappointed in some way, shape or form in terms of what's coming in the future, whether this is a contagion-style thing or whether we're going to be able to contain it something that we don't want to happen is going to happen right the season is going to get curtailed in some way shape or form or and I think this is maybe more important for us is that like how we say goodbye to Griffin Park is going to get changed and compromised and for me that's maybe one of the bigger things like you know we're going to miss that ground right this is a big change coming up lots of exciting things in the future sure but big moment for us and it feels a bit sad that that gets taken over or changed or shifted by this by the coronavirus I hear that again I know I talk about the daughter quite a lot but she couldn't make the game on Saturday because she had a, a flu that she got on the Friday she got a temperature sore throat so she couldn't make the game she was gutted and I said you can't go to the game and she said to me she said to her mum, actually, she didn't say it to me, while I was at the game, she goes, I'm really sad that I can't go to the game because I'm missing the last game at Griffin Park. And that's what she, she said that. And I didn't, I didn't even say anything to her. I don't know, like I said to you, if she's been listening to our conversations on car players we're in the car or what, like, you know, but she definitely did pick up on that and that was her thoughts. And I think that might be something that's been going through a lot, lot of people's said. So, I mean, I'm just wondering, just going through it, what do you think, Lainey? I mean, okay, I'll come on to what you think the... You know, there's a number of different combinations of how we can finish off this season now. But just give me a few more of your thoughts first. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a reality. Um, you know, there, there, I, I did think about tweeting it before the game um, on Saturday. That you know, I, I, I actually tweet. I, I typed half of it and didn't send it. I thought it was a bit too calamitous to say make the most of today. It could be the last. You know, and the chances are, you know, and, unless things really do. Um, de-escalate West, if the West Brom game doesn't happen and things go the way we think they could the, the last game in front of a paying public may have already happened which as Katie said would be, would be really sad because you know I think we, we all wanted to be able to say goodbye in our own way and uh, you know it, it would be an, an unexpected early demise of the old girl and I, and I, and I don't I, I think you know we needed a little bit more time, but as Katie said, 
you know, we we're going to be disappointed somewhere. So you know, it's, it, this is this is uncharted territory. We've never been here before. You know, and you know, the end of the season and the what the, the amount Sky pay. Um, clubs for relegation promotion is based on ad revenue and if the companies that are paying that ad revenue can't afford to pay it anymore you know anything could happen from here and in that there is no rules so take nothing for granted if if that was the last game then that was a great game and a banging scoreline all good with that but I think we want to be able to say goodbye properly and to understand that we're saying goodbye that sort of feels important I think Laney's point about we haven't been here before is really quite true and very pertinent because when we watch football and we come on the podcast we talk about things and what we refer to is pre we might not say it but we're thinking about previous experiences we're thinking about where we've seen it before and we're thinking about what we might call the rules of football or whatever and you learn and you watch football for 20-25 years and you start to build up a view of how things should happen and why they don't happen and why they do happen with this we, we, we genuinely don't have a Scooby because we have never been up against this before or seen anything like this before as football supporters so you know we can kind of say stuff and, and that but the reality is we've got no experience to be able to give out, you know, useful, I suppose, um, not useful, but be able to give out um, information that may be or may not be valid. because and, and that's why it's really difficult. That's why this discussion is quite difficult, because I can't go back and use any experience. And I, and I also think, you know, like in some, in some ways that, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people going, you know, why, why bother doing a podcast tonight? Because, like, you know, there's, there's so many like unknowns there's so many things that could happen so many things that may not happen but I, th- I think you know actually there's probably every reason to do one tonight because I think every Brentford fan and every football fan is probably thinking the same as us actually at the moment of course there's more important things than football of course there's more important things than you know how it affects our behaviour on a Saturday afternoon you know the minute it may affect your your loved ones or yourself physically then it becomes way more important than anything we're talking about tonight. But, you know, we're talking about something that's happening live and it's happening and it's evolving every minute. And, uh, you know, it's almost... We'll hopefully look back at this in five years' time and think, my God, you know, that was really kind of um, scary or that was kind of, oh, my God, they got that so wrong or, oh, it worked out all right in the end. But at the moment... Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Okay, I'm going to ask as well because obviously, like I said, the, the, listen, the, 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 the planet we got here a little bit is, like I said to you, is that you know, um, big game on Friday. You know, we might be wrong, but you know, there's chances. You know, if things do change, if announcements made in the next day or two, which you know, there's smoke signals that that might happen at the Fulham game possibly may be off. Now, we we're talking about this around the table before that. You know, if you could imagine that you snuck into Craven Cottage. Behind a closed doors match, you know what I'm saying? How are we going to get You're in? Right? I'm saying, I'm saying. But you managed to say, well, you could even talk about it. I'm just going to go around the table here. But I was just thinking about this because the fact is that we've got this craving to go and watch our team play live. And the fact is that if it's behind closed doors, it means it's on TV and you watch it on TV. But the reality is that if you were actually able to get into a closed doors Fulham versus Brentford, would you be happy with that? I'm just, I'm not about the because if the, if the match had to be there, would you actually kind of say, actually, no, this isn't, you know, I'm not. I'm, no, of course not. You would hate it. It's like, and why is that? It's, it's like, so when you're in a pub, there's a football game on and there's no sound. I was shocked to watch a football game with no sound on. Like, 
And imagine watching a game with no, you need the atmosphere, you need the fans. There's more to it. And also the players will not play the same. Players, so the, they need so the fans to cheer them on. So they won't take it seriously, I think. They need some, as far as they have a go in them. So, so just, it's interesting, I was just going to ask you, and I'm going to come around everyone here as well. So in effect, what you're saying is that, so if, if you had the chance to go and watch the game behind closed doors, or go and watch it in the pub with your mates instead, right, at the same time, what would you, what would you do? Pub with mates. So, you, so you're, you're more attracted by the, by the communal factor of watching the football with, with people around you then? Indeed, well, football, the way I was raised, where football, I used to go to football with my friends and so on. Football is more of a just watching the games. It's a community, sense of uh, friendship, and so you build friends, you go to see me, people. So when you take that away, then uh, what's, the, what's the point, really? Can I, I, there's a really interesting point Abdul made there, actually, that, that probably got missed a bit. And, and, it's, and it just occurred to me at that point, is that if football moves behind closed doors, the point you made was that players will might not try as hard. That may may not try as hard or whatever because they might not take it seriously and that may impact certain players and actually the whole thing could completely flip because there may be players that actually just go out there and play football and they're the sort of players that don't listen to what's going on around them and then there's players that react to the crowd and their performance is driven to some extent by the crowd and it, it I don't know I, I'm just throwing this out there probably at the wrong time of the podcast but that does really sort of fascinate me Fulham are going to have to get some of those like clockwork clappers so so they can wind them all up before the game and they just like clap, 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 clap for the whole 90 minutes and they, they probably won't know there's no one there. Kate? Um, well, hypothetically, does that put us at an advantage over other clubs because um, we pay our players by bonuses, right? Or we give them like goal bonuses and win bonuses. So do our players have like both a sort of fan driving factor and then also a monetary driving factor that others don't? I don't know. Again, hypothetical. Again, it's lots of lots of lots of fair points. So I mean, listen. I mean, we've talked about this. It's it's not very easy for us to pontificate about this because obviously things are developing and they're developing very quickly. We're talking about the fact that you know, and again, we're not saying this, but there was you know a lot of people saying how are the Euro is going to happen. It's in like about 175 different countries, and you know how they're going to coordinate that. Some countries can't do it, so they're going to have to move it to another country. You know, maybe if the Euros does not happen, and I'll be quite gutted because I've booked flights, I've booked accommodation, I've got loads of tickets. I'm you know I'm taking my daughter, my family, my mates, you know, I'll be gutted, but it's one of those things that might happen, but if the Euros disappears, does that give the opportunity for the league to maybe postpone itself for a couple of months and then slip itself into that slot? Yeah, I, I think some, some very big decisions need to be made quite quickly at, at governing body levels. They've got to prioritise, prioritise what's most important. Is the Euro tournament the most important or is the continual, continuality of the domestic leagues the most important so domestic leagues in my opinion come first and foremost um, that you know the, the gra- if you look at that as a grassroots level rather than the international level I think the international level was the icing on the cake that's where the big money is but um, I think finishing off this season as near as damn it to, um, to, to actually conclusion I, I, w- I would say is the most critical thing whether that's behind closed doors or whether that's with 
crowds. But I think, and we're assuming that the players are going to all stay fit as well. If, it, if the players all go down with this, then the dynamic changes again. But you know, if they if it were to cancel the Euros, that would allow the domestic season potentially to be extended until the end of June, which may give us the ability to con- to conclude this season kind of naturally, but and then allow the next season with with actual promotions and relegations that are based on the, 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 the finishing amount of games rather than cutting it short and laying ourselves open for legal challenges because I think Matt said off, off air you know that it, it really the, the biggest decider the biggest factor in this is the clubs that could be relegated from the Premier Division they're the ones with the most financially to lose financially to lose 150 million pounds a year they will they will trigger legal challenges if if a, if a domestic season was finished without them the, having the ability to finish all their fixtures. So I've just got the question. I'm going to just go around there just quickly, go around to everyone, and ask the question. Right, the, you know the best way. Listen, we're not the fixers here, but we're just being hypothetical here and saying, listen, there's a crisis. We're probably going to go into this delay phase process. We're playing football. Our football seasons haven't finished. We've got vested interests here, and we need it to happen. How do you think, or what do you think would be the probably the best way for you personally, for the, for the, for our season to end? Would it be to move the season? Would it be to finish the season right now with the matches and the league table as it is now? Would it be to play the matches behind closed doors, uh, or would it be just to cancel the season and then just start again next year, Laney? Um I think we would probably have to play behind closed doors, um, and you know, and I, as much as that is against football in terms of as, as Abdul says without crowds there what, what is football but I, I think really if we're, if we're thinking for, forever is a long time um, we need to we need to c- continuity is the best thing and uh, finishing the fixtures is, is imperative Kate for me behind closed doors also because if we reset we're going to lose players and I think that will knock us the for legal and monetary reasons, I think they'll go behind closed doors and try and play the season out. If they can't play the season out, I think it gets very, very complicated. Um, and there's a, there, to be honest, in, in this brief segment, you know, I don't know if I can say, I don't know if I can cover it, but you would think if they try, if they try to cancel the season legally. They may, I don't know, I'm no legal expert, but maybe they get away with it. If they decide to end the season early without the fixtures being all being fulfilled, um, I think it could get very, very complicated. If, if they cancel the season, though, Leeds United would, wouldn't go up. And Aston Villa wouldn't get relegated. Liverpool wouldn't win the league. You know, um, Coventry or is it you know, Fleet? You know. And, and all of that is highly amusing. But at the moment, none of those clubs have actually, and, and this is the point, is that as we stand, nobody has actually solidified that position. So Liverpool haven't won the league. I mean, I mean, they would have most to lose if they cancelled the season. It'd be, it would be ridiculous. But technically, they haven't, right? Just hit, you know, Leeds. What have Leeds got to argue? They haven't, they haven't, they haven't got promoted yet. They'll still be champions um, of Europe, though. So I, so you know, I. I, I really don't know legally if they can just, you know, say, well, okay, stop the stop the season. We won't fulfil all the fixtures. Leeds are promoted. West Brom are promoted. Probably Fulham are promoted because you're not going to have the playoffs. And oh, the three teams at the bottom of the Premier League, you're all relegated. Good luck with that one. 
That's all. That would never work. Think about it. So which which which, 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 which one do you like? Move the season, finish the season now, close door matches or cancel it? Uh, the only solutions are behind closed doors. And if that doesn't work out, maybe you could put... How about this? Uh, take two months off and cancel the Euros, play the Euros during the winter and move them play in the summer. So that's, oh, that's, that's the move. That's option number one. Yeah, there, there is a problem with that because the players... Players that no players whose contracts finish this year, they're out of contract from I think it's June the thirty first, right? So you can't go beyond that because otherwise you end up in another in another potential mess. But then again, that's easier to pay them off individually than say a team that's got relegated where they lose up more money. So it's easier to pay a player two off. Or maybe maybe the, the government makes them them have to have to extend their contracts by another month. And then you got but then you got the impact on next season because. Because are they just going to keep playing until they drop? I don't know. <laughs> Why don't we can- cancel the World Cup in Qatar and then play it then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. We have a we have a couple of years off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And for me, it's a difficult one. I mean, I'd say move the season if the Euros are going to happen because you know you still want to be there, football with your mates, all going to be happening. But the fact is that even in two months' time, you don't know whether or not this virus is going to be. Um, you know, it's, it, what stage it's going to be at. So you might, you know, move it for two months or three months and, and you're still in a, in, a, in a predicament. I'll tell, I'll tell you what I do know. Need another beer, mate. We do need another beer anyway. Listen, these are our thoughts. We're not experts. We've got the doctor in the house. She's given us our doctoring thoughts as well. You know, but that's our thoughts on coronavirus. Like I said to you, we, we will see if there's an announcement in the next few days which will change things for football and then we will be discussing this more, I'm sure, over the next few weeks. But we have I'm saying on paper and definitely in 100% because this is what is happening on Friday got a big match we have got Fulham in town and we're not going to go to get some fan to give us his thoughts and give us or her thoughts on a little bit of recorded business we have got the fan in the house here we've decided to come to enemy territory we're in the distillers wicked pub down Fulham Palace Road it's great they've got a 90s hip-hop night on Friday night which we might even slip into after the game if things go all right. But we're here, and we've got my man, Abdul, who's going to be giving us the lowdown on Fulham in just a second. So, big game. Friday night, we are going to Craven Cottage. We've got playing Fulham. And listen, you know, this is a big game because we need to still solidify our playoff place. Fulham are looking at a top-two place. You know, we're probably trying to solidify a playoff place as well. We're both fighting for that number three place at least. And this is going to be a very, very, very big game. Brentford only given 1,900 tickets and there's all sorts of bun fighting going on for those. But um, we're going to have loads of bees down there as well. Loads of bees are coming down to Putney anyway to watch the game from what I can gather in all the pubs around there. So it's going to be quite lively in the zone. we got Abdul in the house. And listen, Abdul, listen, Fulham, I mean... A little bit of nerve must be going on because especially when you came to Griffin Park a few months ago and we gave you a little bit of a tonking, didn't you? So I don't know if you're a bit nervous that you're going to get a repeat of the same action. Well, well, the thing is, I'm not too sure every time we play you guys, you guys just turn up. And that's what football is, about turn up on the, on the days that it matters to fans. We, we, we don't, we only turn up against QPR. But, but, I mean, and you say that, I mean, and, and, and I know you're sort of saying, you're not even saying it quite flippantly, but the, this is not only you that said that, but, as, you know, the Fulhamish guys, everyone that said that, they, they hate playing Brentford. They say that, you know, if if we ever got to the playoff final, I'm saying touch wood, you know. Hand on my heart, the team that I don't want to play is Brentford. Any team not with us, hand on my heart, only one team, Brentford. I don't and want to tell me that. why, I mean, why exactly is that? Uh, 
just looking at the last few games we've played, you guys have seen smashed us three times. Where it's disheartening to see that, especially the team where I actually want to beat you guys. It means a lot more to me than just the game itself, especially the fans and so on. Where the one game where you want to turn up our players for some reason, never show up against Brentford, never. But it's interesting because you mean you, you Fulham fans are always saying it's Brentford's Cup final against Fulham again. What we said, we said yeah, this we, when we can lose it, yeah, we can lose it. Cup final, then <laughs> you know. But um, if it's, you keep saying it's our Cup final, what we'll say is that if you know your history, if you've ever gone back, you've gone into you know, a lot of the Fulham fans would not know this. You know, 80s and some of them will do the 80s and the 90s. We were massive rivals, we were there, thereabouts. You know, Fulham came down. We're talking about the Royal Oak, we're talking about invasion of, you know, the home ends, you know, and all this kind of stuff that used to go on in those days, which was very, very part of football in those days. There's a massive rivalry going on with Brentford and Fulham. It's not, you know, a lot of people just don't know that. So a lot of people still remember that. And so, especially in the 90s when we were, we were better than Fulham. So in the 80s, Fulham were better than Brentford. In the 90s, we were better than Fulham. And uh, then all of a sudden, Fulham got a bit of money. And then they just kind of left us behind, you know. And uh, 17 years later, when we played you, we didn't... It's almost like people hadn't forgotten. So, you know, just that kind of vibe. And what I'm, the point I'm trying to say to you is that what the Fulham fans were saying to me, the Brentford players seem to have it ingrained into them, I don't know, by the fans or something like that, that, that how important that match is. And it's probably not the same at Fulham. Is that right? Something along those lines where I remember about, about 10 years ago when we played you in a friendly pre-season game and uh, Marcus Benelli made his debut he saved the penalty so I remember walking down past all your pubs and that and then uh, I think the game what was it I can't remember the score 4-0 to us was it so there we go 4-0 to us in a friendly in a, yeah pre- <laughs> and, then, and then since then since then not sure what's happened since then not sure what happened to us was that the Richard Lee de- debut game when he let in three or four against Fulham? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, it was like it was. Uh, it was inconsequential. Oh, no, completely insignificant. Yeah, I mean, like pre- if you if you if you sort of bringing up pre-season friendly victories, you're, you're scratching really, aren't you? <laughs> well, that's that's not only the only one against you lot. So yeah. that I remember you haven't, got, you haven't got much to go by, really. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Saying so, you know, we beat you 3 0 in 1824, you know. <laughs> well, that's the only thing I could go on about, really. So, but other teams, honestly, not sure what is the mentality of the players or or even the fans. It's the one game where I look forward to it on a fixture list, but on a day, I don't. It's the one game where I try not to think about it. It's, it's the hope that kills it. Every time I'm positive, we never win. So, so what, what happened at our place? Well, well, no, that's all right. So, but, but you had a little little bit of an interaction with Sai Ben Rama. Right, that gives us absolutely quality. So the fans are getting so much stick. So the whole game, and it's skillful geezer. was walking past all of our fans where taking a corner, where he just winked at us. Honestly, I just, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I thought, what a cheeky geezer. And also, he's a star player. Also, credit with G. Whoever does your recruitment for Benford, deserves whatever he gets where I remember years ago you guys have lost some star players and then yet with, uh, with not the financial aid you guys have compared to us where you've gone over and over again and recruit players where and also stayed in the league in the content where if you look at Sheffield Wednesday he looks smashed to pieces have spent a fortune on players and they've got the money to spend and yet look where they are 
So uh, again, credit is due on that sense. Where well done to you lot. And then there's a long. I mean, again, we're not going to go into the whole history of it, but it's got to not. It's got to do with our owner and him putting an infrastructure around the side, which has got to do with his company who feeds into the club and the Southern system was actually set up by the owner and his, you know, and his and his gambling company system. So they identify players, you know, who who we believe should come in there, who are. Are not the top top players, but players that no people nobody knows. Some Fulham fans may know that are listening. Some Fulham fans may not, but that's kind of the basis of how our club works. And it's taken us about ten years to get to this stage. To be quite honest with you, 2009, 2010 is kind of when we started doing this. But also, we've got Tony Khan, and we've got so we've got this sort of a system where NFOGs came in and used stats to hire players, and it's been unfortunate. Players again, some make it, some don't. I'm, I'm against it in a way, but. It's a hard one. And also, if you're looking at... But well, we use... I think it's, this is what we do. We, we use stats, so... I mean, we big, big time, so... Yeah, it's got to be done properly. But, but stats different. If you look at stats in football, where some stats make sense, others don't. If you look at stats... That's how, but it's how you analyse it, that's the thing. But again, but the person doing the stats, the NFL-based player, NFL, sort of a, he came from an NFL scene, where Tony Khan is not a football fan. Well, if you look at his stats, was it Pierre Cries, the best England goal scorer? If you look at stats, if you don't know about your football, you think he's the best English player, when in reality he isn't. So if you look at, if you just go on stats by an assumption where if you didn't know your football, you'd think he would be the best. But this is what I'm saying, it's how you analyse the stats. Exactly. We analyse our stats in a different way to say how Fulham yeah, they exactly. analyse their stats. And, exactly. uh, you know, I'm not doing the big up on our guys, no, but, but they, as I, as I said, they, 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 they make millions of pounds from analysing stats. So I think they kind of know what they're doing. But listen, we move on. Listen, the other guys as well. So Fulham are coming down there on Saturday. I mean, any, any thoughts on the Fulham? Well, I just, I, I was just actually thinking, I'm going to put this out there around the table, right? We've spoken a lot about coronavirus and the season, um, you know, maybe a premature end of the season. Who says... Who say that on um, on Friday we say yeah West Brom and Leeds up you go um, last game we'll have a playoff against Fulham whoever wins goes into the Premier League who's up for that anyone? Hand closed doors yes. Yeah. You up for that one? Nah not really. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Uh, come come on. Never. You, you, earlier you were telling never. you were telling us about all these European games you played and everything well, like well, that. Well, <laughs> well we did we, we excelled. But the, the thing is, if you beat you guys, I'm heading off to Leeds, and you guys do West Brom, we'd be second. In that case, we'd have to play you like the playoff. And we go off. So do us a favour. You know, you, you do know us the, a favour, lose on Friday, and we beat West Brom. But you, know, but you know all the words. Do you know the, the, the key words that you put in all them sentences about five times? Help us. If. <laughs> if. The if, man. So listen, I mean, anything else about, I mean, Fulham, because like I said to you, I mean, Obviously, the, the, the killer is as well, you know, for me, you've got some, you have got some good players. This is what I don't quite understand. You know, Kearney, you know, you've got some very good... Mitrovic is unbelievable. Listen, you give that geezer a, a sniff at goal and he can put the ball in the back of nets. And listen, it's like you giving us the props. We've got to give you the props that you've got a very good player. If you take Mitrovic out of the mix, though, you haven't got other players that are actually to, to, to doing it for you. Honestly, if you look at this service, 40% of our goals were assists are Mitrovic, 40%. If you take that out, we are probably top bottom ten. But what, listen, but what happened? Because a lot of the players that you've got now, or you know, you've got they, they were there thereabouts. So you know, when Fulham went up two seasons ago, they were very good. You had, you know, you had, you know, you've got people like Knockart, all these players in your side. What's so, what's happened to them? So, so, with, with, so with Knockart, when he, when we signed him, I remember the year before where he was the best player in the championship for Brighton. Absolutely loved him. When he came in for us, good signing, but he's not doing enough. Also, Cavallero stuff. Some of these players were. 
The problem is, is our manager, and I said beginning of the season, I wasn't happy with Scott Parker. I was so unhappy with him. It's like West Brom when they had, uh, what's his name, Darren Moore. And they did, and as a good, as a good geezer here is and stuff, he wasn't the right person. And they didn't go up, they got rid of him, and look where they are. That's what we need to do. I, I kind of think something along similar lines. I'm not convinced by Scott Parker. But who would you want as a manager if it wasn't Scott Parker? Well, Be realistic. well honestly, that's the thing. So, uh, us as fans, we only know the managers that that we see now and then. So, uh, so this time, I does all the do stuff. I would never want any of them. So, who knows? Get someone from somewhere. Maybe had a full manager that was gone. What's his name? Warner. Uh, Warner. Warner, Warner, yeah. The Warner, he was a good manager. No, Wagner. Wagner. Wagner, that's the one, Wagner, yeah. Good manager. He's a good bloke. No. <laughs> no. You can have, have Neil Warnock, yeah? No, 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 not Neil Warnock, no, but. He'll <laughs> work really well with your team. <laughs> no, never. Or, or Ian Holloway, I'd, I'd be quite happy with that one, man. He's gone, he's gone fishy, or he's gone all fishy up at Grimsby, old Holloway, isn't he? Um, it's interesting as well because we, you know, we look at this, again. We do a little bit of stats delving as well. Uh, five three eight has got us at the moment now. You know they've got um, obviously Leeds United and West Brom. They've got them um, nailed on for promotion. Ninety eight percent for Leeds, eighty nine percent for West Brom as well. Is it ninety eight? Ninety eight. And then after they've got Brentford at forty six percent and Fulham at twenty eight percent. So again, that's for you know for automatic promotion. But for the playoffs, interestingly, we're looking at. Brentford and Fulham in third place, 85% and 86%, you know, to make the promotion playoffs as well. So we're kind of neck and neck. So this game is actually a bit of a key game, isn't it? It is, of course it is. But again, it all depends on a, on a day, if you turn up or not. We turn up, we could beat any team on a day. So that's what it is. But also... What games have you turned up for this season? I'm not trying to be flippant. It's just that because I've obviously seen you play us. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I've seen you play us, and I, I wasn't that impressed. And I've watched you a few times on telly, and I've a similar thought. So what? You've not been impressed. Yeah, well, I'm not doubting you because you're in third place. You're above us in the league. So you're, you're above us in the league. So clearly you do show up. What, what particular games have you been good at? All the ones that we won. <laughs> All of them, though. Well, no, not really, but. It is all about Mitrovic when he turns up that day. Without him, we are absolutely useless. So, but also, but also, since the start of January, we signed Michael Hector. Since we've got him, honestly, it's been a different level where we've kept four clean sheets and uh, excelled really well. So, uh, we needed a decent centre back. But we had we had we had Alfred Mawson, who paid twenty million and got injured doing his laces up apparently. Useless. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Brentford injury, that one. It's really, you know, we, we normally we normally we normally we normally get players get injured uh, sort of falling over a twig. I think no, it is, that's the truth. I think it's twice, wasn't it? As well, he fell over a twig twice, or fell in a hole one time as well. Um, yeah, so it's a very Brentford injury as well. Obviously, you know, Alfie Mawson started off at Brentford in our in our academy as well. Um, but I'm still trying to get around this whole idea because because a lot of Fulham fans are just. Even they're basically saying you're not as good as you were two seasons ago, and they're they're still sort of saying that you're doing all right, but you're kind of sort of crawling over the line. Well, 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 the thing is, we've got the players that are good enough. We've got better players now than we did two seasons ago. But again, the problem is uh, the defence—not the defence. I mean, the manager. So what we do is, uh, the players when they got the ball in the midfield, they pass it to Javier or pass it back. Or the wingers are when they've got the ball, they go, they keep coming back. So if you look at the stats in passing, we've got. Four, three players in a top five in the league. So that's that. If you look at it, if you, oh, that's amazing. When in reality, they're passing back and forth in 
they're not doing nothing with it. So there's no point doing, if you've got all that possession and passing, that, that is nothing to me. So get down the wing, push it to Mitrovic, push, 1-0 up. And, and maybe that is the way you have to play to get the best out of Mitrovic because if we go back to the beginning of the podcast we talk about the goal where ten of our all ten, we had 10 players that were all part of a goal and Sheffield Wednesday didn't get their foot on the ball and that went back to the goal it went back to the central defenders twice it went back to the goalkeeper once and then we worked it forwards worked it forwards found our space and scored the goal and, and maybe that's where we're different as teams was, 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 So saying that if you look at us that's, we are probably the top two passing teams in the league and then yet we haven't scored a goal where we've passed more than 10 times Right? how insane is that so what we need is Pontus to come back Friday knee Metrovic right in the balls very very <laughs> very early on and then uh, and then that will be game set a match and, and I have to say with, with my calamity head still on um, if the last two games Brentford play this season are a 5-0 home win over Sheffield Wednesday and an away win over, <laughs> over Fulham, I think that would be quite nice curtains for the season. Yeah, it would be. And just listen, I'm just going to talk about that because you're talking about a positive side for us, for the Brentford fans. You know, Absol's told us about his team and how he feels that if they, are, if they play well on their day, they could beat any side, which is what you're going to watch out for. Brentford, um, and listening to what, you know, the Fulham and the players that they've got, how are we going to combat this side uh, away from home on Friday night seriously we just we just go toe to toe with them um, we, we, we go with we, we ought to go with no fear um, they're, they're, it's obviously Metrovic is, is, is the player to, to fear and he's, he is arguably too good for this division um, but we've we've probably got four players that are too good for this division in reply to that I think Ben Rama and Watkins and uh, um, I think um, I think uh, Norsgaard I think he's going to play a big game on, on, and I think Pontus Janssen if he, if he plays I think they I, I got a feeling he might make an appearance on, on Friday night so we'll see if the, if the game goes ahead I, I literally I think we go to Fulham with no fear um, and we, we just attack them and you know what, what more incentive have we got you know again Mbwemo we've got we've got players all over the place that can damage them they've got one or two you know Kearney is someone we obviously need to be be aware of you know they, they, they've got some quality there but I think if we go toe-to-toe with Fulham We've got every chance of turning them over, and it's you know, it's a game that I hope happens, and I hope is it's played out at full velocity between two teams that want to win it, and and I and I think we'll edge it. Okay. And two teams that want to play football, which I think is always works well for us. We're not always great against those defensive sides, but I think if our centre backs turn up and are able to control Mitrovic, and if we think about how we're going to control the midfield and we take care of those balls that are looking to go through to him, then I think we're in we're in a good position because we play that football, we play fluidly, we get our passing going, then I don't think we've got too much to fear. I'll just say, at Griffin Park, Mitrovic didn't get a sniff on goal at all, did he? No, he didn't, no. Um, so we just need to, we need to snub him out again. It seems that, and, and this is part, sometimes this is the problem for a team, is when you do have a great player, and he is a great player, let's not... Let's not joke about it. Is that actually you can focus your resources on snuffing him out when you've got a front three? It's harder to control them, um, you know, because you've you, if if you snuff out Watkins, Bremo pops up. If you snuff out Bremo, 
Ben Rama pops up. And if you snuff all three of them out, then you've got Marcondes in midfield or De Silva. Or De Silva. You know, and so you've got the beauty of those five attacking players, you know, if maybe if if um if Jensen, not Jansen, if Jensen's fit again, it's the same. Um in terms of Friday, um if, for those that listened to the podcast last week, they'll now know that the most important thing is the weather forecast. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, I'm I'm pleased to announce that the weather forecast for Friday night is clear skies and gusts of no more than five miles per hour. So no, it's not, it's not windy. So it's not windy, so guaranteed a win. So we can, yeah, we can kick, kick the ball in the air, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, I mean, going around the table here as well, listen, we've had a good Fulham discussion. Is there any other points? I mean, we've got Abdul here. We can, you know, ask him anything we want to as well. Like I was saying, back in the, you know, back in the day, vibes and Brevin. You, you, I mean, you told us what you think of Brevin, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, all right, fair play. Hey? Yeah, a bit rubbish, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so listen, let's go around the table here and let's just give us your thoughts on a score. Give us a score prediction and just your vibes on this game. 4-1 Brentford. When was the last time we won 4-1 at Craven Cottage? Can you remember? I just feel like history repeating itself. I've got, I've got to ask you as well. Yeah, no, Jesus was, was listen. Jesus was a, it was a very good Friday. Tell you, how, listen, how did you feel? You hadn't played us at Craven Cottage for about 175 years, and then we came down there and oh, we smashed uh, to pieces. How did you feel? I was back in a pub at two nil. I don't want to think about it really. I forgot about that day. No, but uh, it was all about Yotta that day. He was absolutely unreal. That was, and also the weirdest part is all the girls were absolutely unreal. Was that the goals were absolutely unreal as well? Yeah, the yeah, the yeah, goals, yeah. You, you, honestly, you, you couldn't you could have any keeper in there that day. That day he was there. You, you can't do nothing about those goals. So yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a few of us down the, the that away end as well. You, you, I mean, I can't believe you gave us that whole end. Seven thousand of us. Well, 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 well the, the, the thing is, so in that in that end, there's no segregation, where it's easy to just give the whole fans where. Again, also charging you guys 35 quid to make more money for us so you could buy decent players. Well, that's not <laughs> Listen, again, again, I think that might backfire on you that because the fact is that just because you charge us more money doesn't necessarily mean no, that, that you form a winning team. It, it, it is it's something I was against and I'm still against it. But again, in, in that sense where that, that area where there's no segregation, where it's easy to just sell it to away fans, where it would be more hostile if there's a mixture. But then again, saying that, we'll be mixed this season because that's where the home fans are again this season. So, How do they, they segregate it now? Well, there, there isn't. There's just loads of police there now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like a wall of clappers? What? what? <laughs> that, Is it like a wall of clappers? <laughs> oh, I, I love uh, my clappers. Have you got clappers? Of course I do. How, how many have you got? I've got a few at home. Have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course I do. Did you put them in your shelf? I mean, you know, where does, uh, it? I've got... And how do you select them before matches? Just select them, just start hitting them out. <laughs> which one? I mean, you must have different ones for different no. games. Well, it depends if the player I like on it or not. <laughs> now, also, the, the ones, the games that mean a lot to me, so I keep them. Like, when we're in Europe. You're serious? We thought you were joking for a minute, but you actually do have clappers. No, no, no. They're Europe days. You guys don't know about those days, do you? No, 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 no. We, we, we like to think forward. Has <laughs> he got, got, got a drum as well? You got a drum? <laughs> no, I haven't actually, no. <laughs> no, no, which is good. So, but, uh, but, but um, you got a foam finger? No, of course not. <laughs> no, but listen, but... <laughs> I think you've, you've, you've thrown us, thrown us off, off, thrown us off track there. But we're talking about the four-one. We're talking about okay. We're talking about Brentford coming. Let's just talk about Brentford coming down to Craven Cottage because again, you have not beaten us since I think it's 1990 at Craven Cottage, is it? No. I think it's, it's you haven't beaten us in quite a long time. So 
again, you must have some sort of trepidation. Well, again, as I said before, you guys have players that turn up on a day. You had a Jota that turns up, and now you've got Barami, who I believe will turn up. Those individual players make a difference. So, uh, hopefully, we've got Mitrovic that will turn up with Kearney, one of those players we've got. So, so listen, I mean, Laney's obviously said that he's going to think it's the full one. I'm coming to you now to give us a score prediction for Friday night. I said 2 all. To who? Two all, two all, two all. That's right. Two all, two all to Brentford. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, to the Super Bees. There will be goals. So yeah, there will be goals. Okay, so the Abdul's gone two all. So the Allard. I think two one Brentford. I think we'll do well to snuff out Mitrovic on two occasions this season. So yeah, we just we need to make sure we score more goals than he does. So two one Brentford. Interesting, Katie or Dr. Katie B. <laughs> uh, I am confident, but not Laney confident, so I'm going 2 0. <laughs> so we go 2 0, and for me, I'm going to go for the tight one is 1 0 to the mighty White Bees. I'm going to call her Nurse Katie because that reminds me of a YouTube video. Oh, no, anyway, we're not going to go on about that. No, we've got women present anyway. We shall move on from that as well. And I'm going to see, tell you something, I'm going to see if I could do a pitch invasion on Friday. I'm going to see if I can get on the pitch. If I can see, get on the pitch on Friday, then let's see. And I'll, I'll wave to you. I'll meet you halfway. With my scarf, with my scarf on. So, yeah, yeah. So, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to better beer? I'll, I'll get on the pitch? Yeah, we'll have a bit. There he goes. Actually, no, forget the forecast. We need to have a discussion. If the game is played behind closed doors, how the fuck are we going to get in? Because we've been along the river on a boat several times, and I suggest hovercraft. If we if we're going to get in, the game's going to be hovercraft onto the pitch. You know, up to the into the building site. Then we go up the scaffolding, and then like we 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 hide in the scaffolding and watch the game that way. I mean, if it's played behind closed doors, we're going to get in, Bill. I, I think submarine, because I think you need to make your appearance as late as possible. With a the hovercraft, they'll see you, you know, coming towards them. So, so submarine, really, or you know, or swim, swim, fancy swimming in the Thames in in March. We're just saying, if the game was in closed doors, how would we get in? Because we've got to try and get in to see the game. How would you? What is your best way you think you'd get in to see the game if it's behind closed doors? Climb over the fence. Which one? Hit the one back in the back. You sound I'm like you've done this before. I have, but I was younger. He's like, he looked at us like we're stupid. Just climb over the fence. It's really simple. Easy. There's one big black fence gate. Just climb over it. Maybe this is a little bit easier than I thought, actually. <laughs> Katie B. Other than climbing over the fence, which we're going to probably do anyway, what would you do? I'm just going to tell him I'm a doctor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and that's... What actually constitutes to having seen the game? If you fly over it, if you were to fly over it while the game... Have you seen the match? Or is that not seen the match? No, that's right. And for me, I think I'm just going to um, don some medical gear as well. No, actually, no, that's your one. Fireman's gear as well. Just teeth some fireman's gear, go inside there and say that I need to uh, put my ladder up at the side of the, the cottage or something like that. But... Or, or just all turn up in the park and bring your phones and, you know, we'll all watch in the park. We can, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? That's right. But listen, this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast coming from the distillers on Fulham 
Palace Road, which is just down the road from where we're going to have, fingers crossed, watch a match on Friday where Brentford play Fulham. I'm in here, the pub with myself, Billy, Billy the B. Grant. We've got Lady Day. Are you, sorry, uh, are you making a sponge, Victoria Sponge? No, I'm not. Actually, we could do. Yeah. Are you bringing this Victoria Sponge? Well, it's my mate Chris's birthday, so I'll bring him on for him. Uh, that's no excuse, it was a, it was a, as well. So we'll see if we can bring a sponge plate just to make Abdul feel at home. But we're in the pub here, the uh, distiller's armed. I'm Billy the B. Grant. We've got Lady in the house. Good evening. We've got KDB in the house. Good evening. You've got the Elon house. Good evening, apparently. We've got the Abdul house. Good evening, thanks oh, for having cool me. Up. And we've also got the, uh, his mate, who's his birthday on Friday as well. Uh, good evening. Good evening as well. So listen, and as we say, because even though in Fulham, we say we're very happy because we've got a big, big game Friday. What do you say? Come on, newbies! Come on, you right! Ah. You right! We're all doomed. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.